it is good to be amongst the living. Right? I'm glad that I saw many of you and I'm able to see you all again. I'm glad that you're able, I hope that you're glad that you're able to see me again. If, if it's not glad, I'll make myself scarce in the next few weeks. But rejoice because you have breath. Okay? Don't take anything for granted. This morning, it's, it, it was a wonderful time of worship in Barura. Uh, especially because, you know, we, uh, after, what, 25 years of waiting, we finally bought a place. All right? Yes, amen. And today was the first day where we worshipped and praised God in that place. So my heart is full. The 25 years of waiting, 25 years of service, 25 years of contributions and prayers and, and faithfulness of people, we finally have a place where we can just be at home. We can worship, we can pray, we can intercede, we can rejoice in the presence of God, right? And that moment is special. Why? Because that was the first time we did that there. Now, the next time where we're going to go, it's going to be a second time. It's going to be a third time. But the first time was special. The first time is always, always so good. And your life in this moment will be the very first of the many. Okay? This can feel like another Sunday, but never underestimate what new God can do. Right? So stop hindering your vision with your knowledge and with your expectations that we've done this before. I believe in a God who can do something new in the ever same chain of thoughts. He can create new thoughts. He can create new opportunities. He can create new hearts. He can create new worlds of worship. He is a creative God and he can keep creating. Amen. Now, it comes down to us if we are willing or ready to see what he's about to do, right? So, let me ask you, how many of you are expecting God to speak to you this evening? He's done it before, but today, do you expect something new? Yes? Do you expect something different than what you have usually received? Yeah, I was praying last night, and as excited I was for this day, for the new place of worship, uh, I, I was a bit overwhelmed because it started to pour again last night, right? And I, I thought that, okay, this is, this is going to be one of those Sundays. It's, it's, it's happening again, but we're going to pray through it. So I thought of sleeping at one, and I ended up sleeping again late. But I praise God because in that praying moment, there was one confidence that came to my heart, which I want to share with you. See, how many of you believe God goes before you and prepares the way? Do you believe? How many of you believe that God goes before you and prepares the place? Do you believe? How many of you believe? Shout amen. amen. But you know what we miss out? We are so looking forward to the place, we are so looking forward to the way that we miss out on the prayer that God prepare me for the way. God prepare me for the place. God prepare me for what you want me to see. God prepare me for what you want to do. God prepare me to receive what you have already prepared for me.
today, I want to start off with this, with this request in your lives. Could you just take a minute and pray, God, prepare me for what you have prepared already for this place. A real quick, short prayer in your heart, but let it be personal. Lord, prepare me to hear what you have prepared for me. Prepare me to receive what you have in store for me. Prepare me to see, to hear things the way you want me to see. Every, every heart, if you are hungry and thirsty for the presence of God, don't, don't oversee the usual. God is able to do something new, even in the very usual. Lord, prepare every heart for what you have in store for us in the, in the next few minutes. Prepare every heart to receive, every heart, every minds to understand, to discern. Remove every confusion, every distraction, anything that can hinder us from seeing and to ex from experiencing what you have already set in store. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18. And we're going to read verses 1 onwards to 6. All right. Should we stand? Can we stand? All right. Let's, let's stand as we read the word of God this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 onwards to 6. All right. I'm going to read it out with you. You have it? Should we wait? Yes? Chapter 18, verses 1 to 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, verse 2, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there, was, there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it in, again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Verse 6, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Right? Father, we pray that let this word speak to each and every one of us. Help us to see, help us to understand, and be the clay that you are able to mold into the vessels of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may take your seat. Now, this moment is where Israel had turned away from God with, with their own lifestyle, with their own sinfulness, and, and the ideas where they thought that, okay, this is how I'm going to walk. I decide how I want things to be done. I decide what what is our goal, what is our vision, what is our plan. And Israel slowly and gradually started drifting away from God, despite of all the blessings, all the experiences, all the goodness that they have received. And in this moment, there comes a young prophet named Jeremiah, and God tells him, okay, you are going to be my voice to this nation again. And he tells them, okay, I want you to do this. Arise and go down to the potter's house. Let me let you know what I want to speak to you. Right now, it is very what it's it's very casual. You see, going down to a potter's house to hear what the Lord is saying. Many of us we disregard the common areas, but God can speak to you anywhere. All right, your tea post is not safe from God. Right, 
your mess is not safe from God, your security gate is not safe from God, don't overlook the common grounds. God can speak to you if you're ready to listen. Don't, don't underestimate and, or don't think that God only speaks to you on Sunday in this arena or in this hall for the next two hours. No, no, no. He speaks whenever he wants. The thing comes up where who is ready to listen, right? We had a camp a couple of years, I think a couple of years back where the theme was speak to me. Your servant is listening, right? Are we listening properly, truly listening to the voice of God and the prompting of the Spirit? And what did Jeremiah do? He went to the potter's house. He didn't say, okay, why should I go there? This is, that's not my place. I don't know how far it is. But he went there. Obedience is very much important as much as receiving the word of God. Okay? Some of us, the young ones, the old ones, we are not able to know the next direction because we are not obedient in the current direction. You already have a word to obey. Start obeying it till God shows you the next thing that you have to obey. All right? If he says forgive, just go forgive. If he says share, go and share. If he says sacrifice, go and sacrifice. Don't wait to know, okay, what is at the end of this? Be obedient now. Right? Can you tell that to your neighbor? Just be obedient now. Yeah. That doesn't mean you tell your neighbor, go get me some child. No. Be obedient to the word of God. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to what the word of God is prompting you to do. What all knowledge you have from God's word. And obey it. David speaks the same thing in Isaiah 51 verse 17. If you can turn to that. The sacrifice of, the, of God is broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. He will not despise. Right? He doesn't want anything else. Last week we talked on surrender, right? Yeah? How many of you went through that again? Did you allow that word to speak to you? You see, we talked that last week, it, it's not what we give, but God is after us. He's not after our skills, he's not after our talents, he's not after our, our finances, he's not after our blessings, he's after us. He paid the price for us. And Psalmist says, David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite heart, which he will not despise. You know, when the, when the Psalmist, King David wrote this, after he was found in a sin with Bathsheba, right? And he's praying this out, Lord Revive me, restore me. Okay, I, I know I did a mistake. I know I did a blunder. But David still remained as a clay in the hands of the potter. Today, I want to talk to you on this. And this entire conversation is built up on God being the potter and you being the clay. All right? Your brokenness can be made new if you are in the hands of God. All right, and I pray that it encourages you. I pray that it helps you move forward. And I pray, definitely, I pray that each one of you who are seated here and listening to this, you may all turn out to be the vessels of the glory of God. All right, not just empty vessels that make useless noise, but vessels that glorify God. All right, so firstly, back in Jeremiah 18, how many of you have seen a pot making process, a pottery? Have you seen the process? No one? Guys, you'll ruin the entire theme. <laughs> Just kidding. See, who is in control of the pot? The clay or the potter? 
potter. Who decides the shape of the pot? The clay or the potter? Who decides the purpose of the pot? The clay or the potter? So who's the main character or the entire theme is based on who? The clay or the potter? If you're the clay and God is the potter, then who's the main character of your life? Amen? Amen? See, no matter how good you are, no matter how big of a status and Instagram following or Snapchat following or, or broadcast group, how many people you are in, how many people have bought things from you, the main character still remains to be God. All right? Do not steal the glory of God from your life. Do not be the center of attraction of everything that God is doing in your life, right? It is all about him. It has been, it will be forever and ever more. Can I get an amen for that, right? Job in chapter, uh, in chapter 10 verse 9, he says, I beseech you, O God, that you have made me as clay. Job chapter 10 verse 9. After everything that he had and everything he had lost, he still says that you have made me like clay and will you turn me into dust again? See, this is the authority of God. Either we can be clay in his hands or he can just turn us into dust. Which one would you prefer to be? Clay in his hands or just be dust flowing away in the wind? Clay in his hands? Right Now, if he is the potter, he should have control over your life in uncontrollably and at any given moment, he should decide what he wants to do. You should understand that the potter decides the purpose of the vessel. Okay? It's not us. It's not our thoughts. It is our desire that he may use us. How many of you know Psalm 139, verse 14? You want to read? Psalm 139 verse 14, real quickly, jumping in. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know the scripture, right? Yeah. But we usually focus on I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But what is the purpose of being fearfully and wonderfully made? What is the first line? Hello? I will? What is your purpose? So if you get a good thing to eat, what is your purpose? Praise God. If you get a common meal to eat, what is still your purpose? To praise God. You graduate with a, a master's degree, what is your purpose? You don't get a job for the next six months, what is still your purpose? You do not lose the focus of the purpose that God has for you. All right? Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it why? For the glory of God. You and I, we are called with a purpose that is to praise him. But we have often made our relationship with God to be something where we come before him to receive things, to grow and to, to, to be blessed and to be, to be growing in abundance. But that's not why you were created. Okay? You were created to glorify God. Amen? You see, this corruption it's just because of the sin that came down through generations where everything started becoming about us, where all along everything was always about God. Before man came into existence, it was still about God. 
after man will stop to exist, it will still be about God. You know why? Because he is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is the beginning, he is the end. He is the omnipresent Father who will endure through every given time. Our lives should always be to glorify God. How many of you had control over the color of your hair? Over your color of your eyes? No? The date, the place, and the family you were born in? No? Then what's under your control? You cannot control, you could not control where you wanted to be born. You could not control when you wanted to be born. You could not control how tall you wanted to be. You could not control what kind of hair you wanted. But you know what you can control? You can control the desires of this flesh. Right? You can control how much junk food I want to eat, but we often just come back praying, God, heal me. Why? Because I don't have control over the things. See, control the things that you can, but allow God to control everything else in your life. Right? Your addictions, your desires, your priorities, bring it into subjection in the presence of God. The purpose of your life is not about you. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved, and not for yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works that any man should boast, right? But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Each one of you are made for good works, right? Question. What are good works? Put it down in your notebook, go back to your room and try to answer it. What good works are we doing? How are we doing something that glorifies God? When are we doing something that glorifies God? How often are we doing something that glorifies God? Do you know that God loves you? Yes? Do you believe that God loves you? That's a very slow yes. Do you trust him? Do you trust that he laid down his life so that you could have eternity with the Abba Father? Yes. Do you know how much he paid for you? The very last drop of blood. He gave it all. He brought heaven down. And he made heaven available to each one who believes and who would want to follow him. Right? Why, what is the purpose that each of you would become Christ-like? Not of the flesh, but like Jesus himself, right? Now, who decides how we want to live? It's usually the flesh. But that is the challenge that I want to bring to you today. If God is truly the God of your life, does he have complete control? Does he decide when you, you should be sleeping? Does he decide when you should be waking up? Does he decide what you should be eating? Does he decide where you should be spending? Does he decide what time you should be in his presence? Does he decide how you should be worshipping? Does he decide who you should be forgiving? Does he decide how you should be growing in your life? Is he in complete control? Now all these things are minute and, and very, very small and you might think that this is too complicated. But guess what? God is still paying attention to all those things in each of your lives. Every single one of you, including myself. 
Yeah? If, if I'm given a team of 12 people, which I have, and every 12 person in the entire team has a different skill set, has a different thinking process, have a, has a different way of reception and a different way of understanding things, it takes me a while to catch up to speed. But that's not how God is, right? He knows your thoughts, he knows your pain, he understands who you are. But just because he understands your reasons doesn't mean he always approves of your reasons. Okay? We can give n number of reasonings and excuses of how we are, where we are, why we are not doing what we are not doing, how we are doing those things. But God doesn't necessarily approve of it. You have to make sure that he is the potter and you are not. I want you to know that he always thinks about you. Is that, is that something good? Yeah. How often do you think about God, honestly? Some of us are probably thinking of chai, right? Some of us are probably thinking, okay, when is this going to end? I, I can go eat in the mess or probably grab something from the food court. But God doesn't think of all of that. He thinks about each and every one of you. Isn't that overwhelmingly loving that there's not even a second where none of you are not in his thoughts? Every second, right? And every second he is looking which is the next step Georgie is going to take. How is, he not, how is he walking away from me? How am I supposed to bring him back? What am I supposed to use so that he doesn't sway from the word? What am I supposed to do so that he... Even after he swayed from the word, how, how am I going to bring him back? He does all these calculations. Why? Because he doesn't want to lose you. You are so dearly loved that God would not dare to lose you. you may, we may think of a lot of things for our goals, our lives, our future. But the only thing I want to encourage you is think about God now and in the future. Because if he's with you in the future, you need not worry about anything. Amen? If he's with you in the future, you will see him working in your life. You have to be in his presence. You have to abide in his presence. The potter, that is God, he should be the sovereign over the clay. Right? When the potter starts taking the clay, does the clay decide when the potter should use them? Is everyone awake? Can you check with your neighbor? Are they awake? Yeah? So does the clay decide when the potter should use them? Yes, no, maybe. Clay can decide? <laughs> does the clay decide how the potter should use them? Can the clay decide how tall the clay vessel should be? Can the clay decide what, what temperature God or the potter should he put them in? Yes, no, maybe. Why? Right? Makes no sense. So, if that is the case, then who has dominion? The potter or the clay? Who is God? The potter or the clay? Who are you? The potter or the clay? You connecting the dots? So if the potter has the decision of when, where, how, how much, he has the same control over your life. 
when he wants to use you, where he wants to use you, how he wants to use you, for whom he wants to use you. He has complete dominion. But, you know, we mess it up. We say, Lord, use me in this field. But what if God doesn't want you to be in that field? What if he wants you to be 10 kilometers away from that field? But no, God, I want to be there. I want to act. I don't want to sing. Sure. But what if I want you to sing? But I don't have a voice to sing. God will give you a voice to sing. Just obey the prompting of the Spirit of God. It's not, God, I want this. I want that. It's about God who says, I want this. And I want that from your life. Okay? Don't turn the tables. You and I, we don't have any authority over God. We plead with him. We don't command him. Okay? And if he still doesn't do it your way, you still surrender and say, Lord, I still trust you. That's where surrender and brokenness kicks in. That you trust God no matter what goes on with your life. Okay? Even if you don't like it, you trust him. Okay? Even if it's some an odd hour, you still trust him. Even if you, it's, it's going beyond your, your skill set and your plans, you still trust God. Why? Because he is the potter. Okay? And he knows what's best for you. He knows where you will fit. He knows how you will fit. He knows what skill set you will need. And he will already provide it. But first, he will prepare you for that place. You and I, we should be available and willing to be in that place. So who is the potter? Who is the potter? The second thing that comes into this scenario, I'm just giving you a roundabout before I go down in, into the entire conversation. The second thing that comes in is that there's a wheel in the entire pottery scenario, okay? In verse 3, I went down the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. What is the wheel? Is the wheel necessary for pottery? Have you seen the wheel? Yes? Do you think it's necessary? No. Is it? No. Why? Why is it necessary? Explain that to me. No answers, right? But we know it's necessary. Why it's necessary? Ah, but it is necessary. All right. So if, if the wheel is necessary for the potter, if the wheel is necessary for the clay, does the clay say that I don't want to be on the wheel? Jesus, take the wheel. Take this away from me. Or put me at the wheel and I'll go with it. Which of the two would the clay do? Stay at the wheel or jump off the wheel? Why? Remember the first thing, the clay has no authority. If God, if the potter decides the clay has to stay, the clay has to stay, right? Now, what is the wheel that we talk about? In Isaiah chapter 29 verse 16, let's read that with, uh, together. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work of him that made it, he made me not, or shall the thing framed, uh, of uh, framed say of him that framed it he he had no understanding right surely 
For shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me. How many of you can say that you are who you are because of your past experiences? No? Such modesty. <laughs> right? I am who I am because of my family background. Don't tell me we've not said that. I've come from a very dark place, sure. I've come from brokenness, sure. I had to labor so much so I could reach where I am. No, we have. But you know, that was the wheel for your life in the entirety thus far. The wheel is the goodness and also the adversaries that goes on in your life. And who controls the wheel? The clay or the potter? Who controls the wheel? So, should you be worried if the wheel is going too fast? <laughs> should you be worried if the wheel doesn't look so comfortable? No. Who do you trust? The potter. Why? Because he knows what is the speed that the wheel should be at. He knows what is the uh, uh, texture of the wheel. He, sh he knows how much, how much oil or wet it should be. He knows it and he controls it. Your problem, stop looking at it as a, as a problem. Consider it to be a wheel for God to shape you like him. It's not an opportunity to break you down. It's an opportunity to rebuild you in the likeness of Christ. Hallelujah for that, right? It is an opportunity for you to think more like him, to be more like him, to respond more like him. Why? Because the problems are not just problems. It is a tool for God to transform your lifestyle completely. No hallelujah? Are you all happy with your life? Yes? Yes? How many of you are unhappy with your life? <laughs> All right, two hands. I'm the third hand. All right. You, and what about the others? You don't have a life. <laughs> Get a life. That doesn't mean you go and try to do something. No. See, if you are in a good place, allow the Spirit of God to still mold you. If you're in a bad place, allow the, God of, uh, allow the Spirit of God to still mold, mold you. You see, every moment, it's an opportunity for you to draw closer to His Word, to surrender to His Word, and to obey His Word. But too often, when adversaries arise, we often take the control in our hands and we say, I'm going to have it my way. That's not the job or that's not the characteristic of a clay. If you have truly surrendered to God, that means you cannot take the control back, right? Let's say I have a wheel here on this place, okay? And we put a, a clay here, a lump of clay, and there's a potter. What if the clay decides to jump off the wheel? Imagine, just imagine. You guys are good with imaginations, I know that. Imagine it jumps off the wheel. What's going to happen to the clay? Where will it go? Down. What use will it be? Nothing. What will the potter do? 
He'll probably, maybe, if he's gracious enough, he'll pick it up and put it on the wheel again. Or if he's like, okay, you want to be arrogant, I'll get another lump of clay and I'll mold it again. Won't he do it? So if the clay decides I don't want to be on the wheel, who's at the loss? If you decide you don't want to be in the adversaries of life, who's at the loss? If you decide that I don't want to be disciplined in my prayer life, disciplined in my physical life, who's at the loss? It's not the potter who's going to lose it. It's not the wheel who's going to lose it. The problem will be within us. Okay? Some of our lives, we are not seeing transformation because we are lacking accountability and just simple discipline every day. You start praying today, you start praying, waking up early in the morning to pray, you start interceding, you start doing it. It goes on till a couple of days and then you feel like, okay, I'm going to go back, all right? I have this coming up, so I'm going, going to stop in the morning, but I'll do it later on in the evening. When did you decide to take the control back? Or even, who gave you the authority to take the control back? Aren't you the clay? How can a clay decide, I don't want to show up today? How can the clay decide, now is not my time, I'll be 30 minutes late? How can the clay decide, I don't like this wheel, put me on another wheel? You are a clay. Surrender as a clay. Let the potter decide what's best for you, when it's best for you, and where it's best for you. You know, the, the majority of our problem arises because we take the matter into our own hands. He says, forgive and we'll come up, but you, have not, you don't know what they've done to me. I don't want to know. But I still will know because you will still share with me and that's okay. But I will still say, go forgive them because that's what God wants you to do. He says, bless your neighbor, but I am not blessed enough. You are blessed enough. You have a roof over your head. You're getting to eat. You can go out for dinner every month. What are you talking about? The clay doesn't have all these privileges. But the potter still blesses. But then the clay says, oh, I'm so worthy. then the clay will show up as one of the most beautiful vessels. Right? The clay will be, oh, I'm so precious. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, but who made you? Let's bring the humility back a little, okay? Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever your position is, wherever your standards are, you are everything you are because God allowed you to be. At any given second, he could have shut a life down and said, okay, that's enough. I cannot play around with that power. I cannot boast in my own, in my own skill set and my own lifestyle and say, I work so hard, sure. But I would not have been able to work so hard if I was bedridden, but God didn't let me be bedridden, right? I would not have been able to work so hard if anxiety had gotten the best of me and I would have put myself down. I wouldn't have seen what God is doing right now if I had not surrendered to his will. So ultimately, who did all the hard work? I can say for me, it was God. All I did was follow his 
traits. Follow the next step. Follow every direction that he wanted. And I still did fumble. I still did fail. But listen, your pain and your anxiety is true. It is true. But consider it as an opportunity to trust God more. Okay? When you go th through a heartbreak, when you go through a moment of, of, of utter depression in your life, where you feel like, okay, things are not happening, it's an opportunity to cry out to God. Okay? It's an opportunity for you to trust Him. It's an opportunity for you to draw closer to him, to seek his word, to rely on his word more than your own self, more than all your contacts, more than all your connections, more than all your favorable people. Rely on God more. Tell that to your neighbor. Rely on God more. Right? Can you tell that to your other neighbor as well? Just to make sure. <laughs> right? So... Once the, once the vessel is made, once the clay is given a shape, what happens to the wheel? What happens with the wheel? Does the potter sell, sell the wheel with the vessel? I did this. This is prepared. You get the wheel as well. No. The wheel stays. The vessel moves on. You want to know why some of you are not able to move on? Because some of you are not staying there long enough. Some of you are not ready to go through the critical training and molding phases of, of God in your life. Every single moment, you're planning to jump out. But once you are fully prepared, you will move on the adversaries will stay back, all right? The problems, the trials that you're going through right now, it is for a minute. It is for a few months. It will not stick with you for your eternity. The, the book of Revelation promises there, there is a place where we are going where there is no more tear, no more shame, no more guilt, no more sin, no more death, no more gnashing of teeth, nothing. So everything that you're enduring right now is limited to this place. Right? The failures that I endured when I was 18 and 17 and 18 was limited to 17 and 18. Today I see different kind of failures, not that failure. I do still see failures, but I know if God can help me with those failures, he's going to do it again. But if God used those failures to shape me into who I am today, I can only imagine what, what I would be in the next five years if I allowed this failure to mold me into what God wants me to be. So I want to, I, you to identify, write it down, what areas am I still in? What areas am I still in? Am I, am I short-tempered? What is God trying to teach me for that? Am I impatient? What is God trying to teach me for that? Do I lack discipline? What is God trying to teach me for that? Which area are you supposed to stay but you are trying to jump out or ignore or quit altogether? Once the vessel is prepared, all the attention is at the vessel, not at the wheel. Okay? You are the vessels of the glory of God. There will be a day where each one of you will be transformed completely into the likeness of Christ. And on that day, you will look back and you will see, man, all those problems, they were not really worth it. But all those problems helped me become 
closer to Christ. Which brings me to the last thing we're going to, going to talk about is the clay. Look at, at verse 4 and 5. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Uh, right? Verse 4, that's it. But the clay. How, how many of you have seen clay? You've seen clay? You've seen muddy soil? Yeah? It rained last night, this morning. Would you pick up a lump of clay or that wet soil in your hands? No? Yes? What? How many of you would do it? Honestly. The rest of you wouldn't? Or the rest of you would decide, ah, that's too much work. We are not going out. But does the clay or the muddy soil has any beauty in its own? No. But once the clay is transformed into a vessel, is that vessel not beautiful and useful? But that was the very clay that you did not like a few minutes back. A few hours back, probably. But once the clay was transformed into a vessel, the unlikable thing became a very prized possession. Some of us, we are trying to build our own life up in such a way why? Because we are dissatisfied with who we are and where we are at. We don't like how we look. We don't like how we dress. We don't like how we feel. We don't like the color of our skin. We don't like the color of our hair. We don't like the color of our eyes. And we keep doing things over and over and over and over again. But guess what? No matter what you do, if you're not in the hands of God, you are still a very unlikable and a useless lump of clay. You can build up your life sky high. But if God does not put his hands on it, from dust you came, please tell me, do you have a locker system in heaven? Where, gonna, where are you going to store all your money? Where are all your gadgets and your, your rings and your, your ornaments going to go? Where's all, all the brand clothing is going to go? <laughs> Where is it going to go? Nowhere, right? But we dress so well. And you guys, you look so sharp, you always give me a complex. Right? But do you allow God to sharpen your soul? To mold it in such a way that no matter what happens, you have a place in heaven, right? A clay cannot add beauty to itself by itself. Please tell me how this building was made. Did the clay and the dirt decide, okay, today we want to be bricks. We'll be bricks and we'll start piling each other on top of each other. Is that how it works? There has to be a creator, right? There has to be an existence of someone who works on it. So this building is proof of, of people who labored in the planning and people who labored in the physical work. Our lives is not, is not going to beautify in itself by its own. Our life will only be beautiful in the hands of maker. And I'm going to give you a very simple example. 
How many of you are artists here? Any artist in the house? Really? Okay, creatives? Okay. Have you seen a painting ever? Yeah? If, if I create a poster, okay? And this is not marketing, all right? If I create a poster and I start selling it, you may buy it, let's say I start selling it for 500 and you say, ah, oh, pastor, it's too much, can we do 400? I say, okay, go for it. I give it to you for 400. But what if a very well-renowned artist like Vex or any of those creatives, they create that poster or even just come and put a sign on that poster that I made? How much is that gonna go for, 500? Are you going to bargain after that? I'm pretty sure the bargaining would turn into bidding. Why? Because now, a superior person, a very well-known and authoritative person has a sign on it. Right? You know who that being is for you? That is your almighty Abba Father. Unless his signature is in your life, no matter what you do, dust to dust, all right? I can have a good car, absolutely. I can have a good phone, absolutely. I can earn a lot, absolutely. I can, I can go out and eat and drink and, and have, have dinner with my family every other week, absolutely. But that doesn't make sense if God's hand is not on my life. What's more important to us today is that we seek the, one who, the blessings from the Abba Father rather than the Abba Father himself. And that is a painful moment in our generation. A clay is supposed to surrender in the hands of God. When Adam sinned, who sought who? Did Adam seek God saying, God, where are you? Or did God coming, seek, coming and seeking Adam, Adam, where are you? Which of the two happened? God's... Finding Adam, right? In our problems, do you seek God or does God have to come seeking you? In the problems, we do seek God, but in your blessings, do you seek God or now God has to come and seek? Where is this person that I blessed? He's taken my phone and he's walked away. I, like some or the other person will be there. You guys are so good. You take my bag to help me out. But sometimes I'm confused. Why? Because my wallet is in there. My car keys are in there. Everything is in there. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely at times I'm thinking, okay, did they go? Have I lost everything? How am I supposed to find? Where am I supposed to go? Do they know where they're supposed to go? Right? That's not how... We should be with God. Take the blessings and then walk away. No. You want the presence of God? Yes? No? Maybe? I want to challenge you. Learn to rest in the presence of God. Okay? Don't just seek the presence of God. We all want God's presence. We all want God's word. We all want God's revelations. But how often do we stay in it? 
right now we are, in, we are reading the word and it's a very simple word. But are we going to stay like this? In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, quickly turn with me and also prepare the communion if, if it is not yet ready, right? Isaiah 53 verse 6, can you turn to that? All, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned, everyone, uh, we have turned everyone to its own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know the funny thing about a sheep? Things we have, to, we have to know, you know. Sheep are not very wise. All right? I was reading uh, on, on one of the pages uh, this, this uh, teaching that was given by a, 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 a preacher. And he was, he was listing down some of the links. And uh, on looking at the links, there was this part of a sheep and why we are called as a sheep. You know, sheep... Their vision is limited to 15 to 20, uh, 20 feet. So if this is what, 10 feet, they cannot see farther from there to here. Only when they reach here will they see the next 10. When they reach here, they will see the next 10. You know why they keep getting lost? <laughs> because they have limited vision. And everything around them, they're, they're basically us without Google Maps, all right? They will try to find anything and everything with a lack of direction, okay? Us as sheep, we have a limited vision. Why? But I have this problem, and that is our vision. We are looking at the current problem, not seeing what God is wanting to do in us in the next 10 years. What is this thing right now Useful, how is God going to use it for me to be how he wants to, me to be in the next 10 years? We have limited sight and we keep going astray. You know, we go by our feelings, we go by our guts, we go by our promptings. And what happens? One goes, one doesn't go by itself. One goes, everyone follows. But everyone will fall only for 10, 10 feet. Then I will go another way, Josh will go another way, President Ben will go another way. Why? Because we all have 10 feet Sights, right? You know why we keep getting lost? Because we stop abiding together in the word of God. You know why we keep getting lost? Because every day we are fighting our own battles by ourselves, not together. We don't want to stick with the herd. We want to do things our way. And that's a lost sheep. But the good news still remains that Jesus is a good shepherd and he will try to find you with everything, everything that he has to offer. If you surrender, a clay must surrender at the will and the authority of the potter. Which brings me back to the final topics of the entire conversation. Have you truly surrendered to God? Is God still the dominating factor of your life? Do your emotions get the best of you? Does your schedule get the best of you? Does your desires get the best of you? Does your own personal ideas and thought process get the best of you? Or is the word still taking control and leading you back to how he wants you to be? How many of you have ever been sick? You guys are a healthy lot. 
You've been sick? You've, you've gone to a doctor ever? Have you taken prescribed medications? Have you received any for, let's say, you have to do the, complete this course for seven, seven days? Do you stop at midway and say, nah, I don't want to do it anymore? That, that could be a good meme. How many of you have stopped midway of that course, honestly? We have a bunch of doctors in the house. You guys are studying, right? No, it's a genuine question. Are you studying? Do you want to stop midway? Sometimes, who said sometimes? I was, I was gonna hear always, but no. But even if you want to stop midway, do you? Do you stop midway having your meal? Especially if it's biryani? Do you stop walking towards tea post when you know someone is giving you chai for free? Then why do you stop midway when God is guiding you all the way? Why do you stop midway with your commitment to Bible study? Why do you stop midway for showing up every day in the presence of God? Why do you stop midway because you have exams coming up? Why do you stop midway because you don't feel like getting up today? Why do you stop midway because you're not feeling, you're not feeling well in your body? Why do you stop midway because you're, you're emotionally feeling really drained out? Why stop midway if we are not stopping midway for anything else? We should not stop midway for God either, right? Go all the way. You know why? Because towards the end, he has a place for you. He has a place and he knows that place is beautiful, right? Though they may slay me, yet I will trust him. That should be our heart's cry every single day, right? And lastly, verse 3. Uh, he, was, he was making something at the wheel. And verse 4. So he made again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Right. Who decides the shape of the, of the vessel? Who decides the purpose of the vessel? Who decides the density of the vessel? The potter, right? Not every vessel is for drinking. Water, that is. Not every vessel is useful for eating. Right? Not every vessel is useful for uh, holding dirt and, and bringing up uh, plants. Not every vessel is useful for everything. But every vessel has a specific purpose, right? Every uh, vessel has a specific time. Every, every vessel goes through a different shaping structure, but a vessel still goes through the purpose, right? A clay in itself is of no use, and it has no value. But once it's transformed into a vessel, that's when the value kicks in. That's when you will pay 600 for a pack of five, that's when you'll pay 500 even for one if it's looking very good to you. Why? You wouldn't pay one rupee for that lump of clay. But once the process is done, once the brand name is stuck, once the packaging is done, it's up on the store for sale. What do you do? You go and you buy it. Right? 
your life, the purpose of your life will only be made known once you complete the transformation process that God has put you in. Okay? Today you can be a clay, but I guarantee you, I know it because the Bible says this, each one of you are the vessels of his glory. Why are you settling for clay when you are supposed to be the vessels of the glory of God? You have a purpose. You're called for a reason. You're made for a reason. Why still settle for being a clay? Lump of clay, that is pretty useless. Lump of clay, that brings no value. That brings no joy to anyone. But once it is transformed, it brings power. It brings purpose. Talk about blessings. How many of you are blessed? You're blessed? If I gave you a, a, a promise word or a blessing, uh, we are going into the new years and we all will be ready for a promise word, right? If, if, a, if a preacher gives you a promise word, you would say hallelujah and amen, right or wrong? Right? Yes? If I say God is going to bless you tomorrow, wouldn't you rejoice? But if I say God is going to correct you tomorrow, I will be getting death threats. Kicked out of the group? Maybe. <laughs> Do not step into the promises? Maybe. We are no longer friends? Probably. Block the number on, on WhatsApp? Absolutely. But if I tell you that all the goodness and the favor and the promise of God be yes and amen into your life. I'll get the biggest hugs. I'll get all the treats and every good things. Why? Because we like to hear what we want to hear. But that doesn't make you useful. You are useful when you hear what you need to hear. And you need to hear this. A potter does not just beautify the outside of the vessel. He shapes the inside as well. Some of you are putting up a good attire on the outside. But inside, many of us are still filthy, dirty, absent-minded bunch of lots. You want me to prove it? Tomorrow or Tuesday. Have the conversation about today's sermon. Try to see how many of us remember it. Try to see how many of us adapted it. Try to see how many of us prayerfully took it up in their lives. If we are to do this, probably the room will be half empty. But if we say we are going to celebrate birthdays, there will be cake. There'll be pastries, there'll be samosas, there'll be chai, there'll be chocolate. What happens? The house is full. People will be standing outside the door. But when correction knocks in, if, if, a, if a leader points at you and says, hey, this is not right in your life, we all want the goodness on the outside. But dear ones, this outside goodness, if I die tonight, this outside goodness will be dug and put in the mud. What will remain is what was good on the inside. If my soul has been saved, that is, a, that is the absolute beauty in itself. How many of you believe that heaven is the reward for believing in Jesus? Come on, honestly. We all want heaven to be a reward, right? But it's not. 
Heaven is not your reward. Don't, don't throw your shoes at me. Listen, the one who is in heaven, he is your reward. Not heaven itself. So if the one who is in heaven is walking on earth with you, you already have your reward. The one who is in heaven is filling you with his spirit, you already have your reward. The one who is in heaven is filling your life with joy and strength and peace and, and, and knowledge that goes beyond human understanding, you already have the reward of God. You don't have to reach heaven to experience that. You can live on earth only if you surrender yourself under the hand of God. The pot is, is watered. The pot is put in a furnace. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes it will make us, it will, it will be used as water to clean us, to shape us, but sometimes it will be like a fiery furnace where you will be strengthened so that you become usable, so that you can hold the things that are put into your life, so that you can be still beautiful despite years and years of use. Don't, don't wait for God to do something new. Rest and wait for what God is doing right now. Even if you don't see the good, stay. Even if you don't receive answered prayers, keep praying. Even if you don't see growth in your personal, your financial, your spiritual, your emotional life, keep doing it. Why? Because the potter is at work. All right? In his time, he will make all things new. All right? Understand this very carefully. Despite of David's sinning, God still called David as a man after his own heart, right? Yes or no? Despite Jeremiah being young, God still used him as a very profound voice during those times. Yes or no? Yes or no? Do you think God cannot do that with you? Do you think God cannot do that with your neighbor? Just because David sinned, did God stop using him? Did David stop rejoicing in the Lord? God kept using and restarting and reviving, remolding that clay, but God kept on using. The Lord is persistent and constant with us. Why are we not? He's constantly chasing after us. He's constantly running after our hearts. He's constantly trying to shape us. But we, we are an unsettled lot. We just want to keep jumping out of the wagon. We just want to get things done as quickly as possible. Why do we only pray when the need arises? Why can't we be praying all along? Why do we only come for fellowship when, when we need something, some answers to be done? Why can't we do that all along? Why do churches wait for, or why do people wait for intercession when they see the church is drying rather than just interceding all along? Why don't we start serving all along rather than waiting for a blessing? There are so many things that I could list down. But this was a joke. Uh, I think Emmanuel or someone told me, Pastor, you'll see a lot of faith-filled status. I asked why. I think it was Emmanuel. Emmanuel, where are you? He said, exams are coming up, so people are going to pray. Right? That was you, right? Yeah. People are going to pray a lot. Why? Exams are coming up. After that, I'm going to be up, up by 11. I'll see you for lunch. I'm going to go back to bed. 
but we pray a lot when situations arise. What if that praying a lot was our everyday lifestyle? What if that praying a lot and surrender was our everyday stature? Living a Christian life is not always about blessings. Living a Christian life is drawing closer to the likeness of Christ. All right? We could find ways and ways where God could use us, or we can just trust him for him to use us. You can tell him, God, I want you to use me this way, or you can just let him use you however he wants you to be. If he wants you to be a door holder, be a door holder. If he wants you to be, uh, to be someone who offers meal to some people, then do it. Don't define or don't let, let your heart define what you want to do for God. Let God define it. I pray that we don't become harder and unusable for God. Because the scripture did say that once, once it was marred in the hands of the potter, he made it again into another vessel. Let's make sure that none of you become unusable for the glory of God, all right? I still believe that God sees you with a potential to be the vessel, right? Don't underestimate what God can do. Don't overestimate who you are, right? Surrender completely to the will of God. Do you believe that God is able to bring tr treasures, genuine treasures out of a bag of trash, can you believe? Do you believe that he can turn dry bones into flesh? Not just flesh, he gave them life, right? Do you believe that there will be, there will be righteousness in, in the generation of unrighteousness? Yes, no. Are you guys bored? Are you guys alive? Is the word talking to you? Can you believe that God can turn every mess into a majestic display? For your life, not for anyone else. You answer that for yourself, okay? Can you believe that God can bring deliverance to a drug addict? Can you believe that God can turn the life around of a prostitute? Can you believe that God can raise the dead? Can you believe that God can bring in a hallelujah for a life that is going through depression? For anyone that is willing to surrender, things can change as long as God's hand is on it. I'm giving you a few examples to build you up, all right? God used a murderer that was Moses and turned him into a liberator. How good is that, all right? God used the dreamer like Joseph and made him a co-commander in the army of Egypt. Hallelujah. Is that not, is that not encouraging? That a young dreamer becomes a co-commander. That too in a foreign land, right? He used a captive like Daniel and turned him into a prayer warrior. He used a shepherd boy like David and turned him into a king. He used a kid like Jeremiah and turned him to a very pro profound prophet. He used a fisherman like Peter and turned him into an apostle. He turned a tax collector like Zacchaeus into a disciple and a philanthropist. He turned a persecutor that was Saul into one of the biggest apostles in our generations into Apostle Paul. If he can do all of that with those lumps of clay, what can he not do with each and every one of you? You think you are way out of God's league? No, you're way safe in his hands. But just allow him to mold you. Just allow him to shape you. Go through the entirety of the process and let him structure you. All God needs is a piece of clay that is willing to say, Lord, here I am, 
use me. We sang the song, have your way. That should not just be a song. That should be our, your everyday prayer, Lord, have your way. You have to realize and remember that God created you for a purpose. And your usefulness only comes by being in his hands, not in your own, right? One last scripture as we, as we prepare for the communion. Jeremiah 18, the same book, verses 11 to 12. 18 verses 11 to 12. And he says, Now therefore speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. What? Return now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings. What? What? That means turn around. Okay, repent of your ways, surrender to God. And verse 12. And what did they say? That is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. So despite of giving you a very simple message, some of you will still end up living like how you have been living so far. I was talking to one of uh, the students last week and uh, I asked them, hey, why don't you show up? What's happening? What's going on in your life? And they told me, Pastor, there's a lot of things going on. But uh, I, I do pray. I do read. I, I do worship God every now and then. God knows my heart. I paused. And I said that very statement back to him very slowly. I said, God knows your heart. He knows your heart. Does that scare you? Because every single thought of your heart is known by God. Now, is that good or is that bad? You can say, God knows my heart. Yes, he knows your heart. Every reasoning that we can put out, God knows the purpose behind it. You can, you can fool me. Once, you can fool me twice, you can fool me all along, but you cannot fool God because he knows your heart. And despite of all the goodness that God shared with them, an opportunity to come back, what did they say? We will not obey. We will follow the dictates of our evil heart. So, do you want to continue sacrificing God or do you want to continue sacrificing for God? That will be the ultimate question for tonight. After everything that has been given to you, after everything that the Lord has done in your life, after years of studies and understanding of how the, how the Spirit of God works in our lives, do you still want to take control of the wheel? Do you still want to jump out of the transformation process? Do you still want to jump out of the revival that God is trying to bring in your life? Or would you just stay and let the potter do the work? God knows your heart. Yes, he does. But he also knows all the ill thoughts. He knows the pride. He knows the ego. He knows the selfishness. He knows the thoughts of lust. He knows the thought of flesh. He knows the thoughts of, of unforgiveness. He knows every bit of it. So unless your heart is pure in the presence of God, you cannot boast that God knows my heart. It can only be a reminder that God knows it and he will do what he is calling to do. Right? We all remember God is gracious. He is merciful. 
but God is also just and God is also holy. You know, grace ends on this earth. There's no grace in heaven. There's no grace at the footstep of the gate. You know what's at the gate? Judgment. So all grace you want to enjoy, enjoy it here while you last. But please tell me how long you're going to last. I need a date stamped and signed. Give me an assurance how long you're going to last with your lifestyle, how long you're going to last, how you want to live. Or you can say that, God, I surrender and I am weak. My desires do get the best of me. My thoughts still battle me. And that's all true. Accepting that you need the help of God is not, is not bad. It is very much necessary. I go through it too. Right? I have anxious thoughts in the past couple of months. And every moment I'm just reminding myself that God, his grace is enough. I have to lean on him. I should not fill my thoughts with what's going on around me. I should fill my thoughts with what the word of God tells to me. Would you like to say, Lord, I want to be the clay in your hands. It's not a big evangelical message. It's not a big prophetic word. But it's a simple word that is calling you to surrender. As the clay surrenders into the hands of the potter, would any of you want to say, God, I surrender my life into your hands, my future, my present, and everything that is in store for me in the next 10, 20, 50 years, I give it all to you, right? I don't want you to go into this communion by being you. I want you to go into this communion with a heart to transform, with a desire to allow the Spirit of God to renew you. You have ill thoughts? Sure, that's the flesh. Absolutely, there will be a battle. But why not ask the help of the one who's overcome it all? You can say that I'm fighting this physically. Sure. But the Spirit of God is willing to help you out. You can say, I, I struggle with lust. Absolutely. Why not stick around with people who can lead you to holiness and righteousness of God? Thoughts of depression, yes. Thoughts of anxiety, yes. Fear of the future, absolutely true. 